Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is Fireside Chat number 262. I rehearsed that in advance, and that's how I got it right. I want to thank Megan, too, for making that possible. And as you see, Otto is not present, and there's nothing I can say. I think that Otto is in semi-retirement, although I will, I will speak to him on your behalf. In the meantime, his brother Snoopy's here. And we don't know how long Snoopy will remain, but at least somebody's next to me. So to remind you, the fireside chat is a chance for me to offer some thoughts on just about anything in life and then take your questions and call it a day. These are important to me and I hope they're important, period. Okay, so... What I'm going to talk to you about, God, I'm almost paranoid. I thought I saw him moving. That is really funny. We see with our mind as much as with our eyes. So many of you are familiar, probably most are with the, the famous black rapper, Kanye West, now, now known as Ye, not Kanye, but Ye, who has made what really are anti-Semitic comments. And I wrote a, my column this week on this subject because I've also touched on the issue of Candace Owens, who is a friend of Kanye West and has been criticized for not defending his comments, which he didn't, but defending him and not condemning the comments. And I, I have some thoughts on all of that. But first, let me just say... A very important thing. I want to read to you from parts of my column. I very, very rarely say that someone or something is anti-Semitic. I'm very careful. I wish people were careful about the whole list. Racist, homophobic, Islamophobic, bigoted, xenophobic. I wish people were careful. I'll tell you why. Not only so that we don't smear people who don't deserve the, the label, but so that we don't cheapen the label. If you call too many people racist, which is exactly what has happened, the term doesn't mean anything anymore. And the truth is, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's true about any term. I'll give you another example where men, a man says he sexually assaulted a woman. Until 10 years ago, my assumption was he either raped her or did something analogous to, to raping her. Now, an unwanted kiss is called a sexual assault. Is it technically a sexual assault? Yes, it's technically. Is it morally a sexual assault? Does it deserve the title? But if a rape is a sexual assault and an unwanted kiss is a sexual assault, do you understand how the term has become cheapened? And that's not good for the cause of fighting bad things. If you call things what they're not, then the things that are, this is called crying wolf, right? The most famous, one of the most famous legends or fairy tales, the boy who kept crying wolf. And so they would all, the whole, the, all the villagers would go out and look for the wolf. He did it so often that when there was a real wolf, they didn't defend themselves. And that's, that's the danger. So it, 
I've written a book on anti-Semitism. I have fought anti-Semitism my whole life as a Jew and as an individual who just hates evil. But I very rarely use the term unless it's deserved. Kanye West's or Ye's words, I don't know if he is an anti-Semite, nor do I find that an important discussion. Pretty much it's difficult to label a human being something without knowing a lot about them. But it doesn't matter. What matters is what he said, and the words were anti-Semitic. So let me just tell you, this notion that the Jews control everything, the banks, the media, the uh, uh, education, I, I don't know, what, whatever else he had in mind. First, it's not true. Jews are disproportionately represented in virtually every field. That's true. But Jews are disproportionately represented among Nobel Prize winners in medicine. Does anybody walk around saying, you know, Jews control medicine? <laughs> Nobody ever says that, do they? <laughs> Jews are wildly disproportionately represented among Nobel Prize winners who have helped the world get healthier. But somehow or other, the people who don't like Jews for whatever reason never comment on that part. Now, I don't comment on either, but I, I just want you to know that if you're going to be honest, you might as well say, well, Jews are disproportionately represented in the media, which is a fact. That's true. And in a whole host of professions, including, as I said, medicine, which has saved millions upon millions of people's lives. The Salk vaccine is, is they say, pretty much ended polio. Jonas Salk was a Jew. So what, what is one to learn from that? I don't learn anything from it. All I'm telling you is that once you start down that road, it's a very bad road to go down. Just for the record, that's the stuff that causes violence against Jews. And there's been a lot of violence against Jews. The Jews control X, the Jews control Y, the Jews control Z. A guy once called my radio show and he said, Dennis, you know, Jews control Hollywood. This was like 20 years ago. And I said, well, Jews are disproportionately, and they were more so then, represented in Hollywood. I said, what's your point? And the guy was shocked, first of all, that I acknowledged that Jews were disproportionately represented. He thought I would just yell, you're an anti-Semite, but I didn't yell at him once. I just said, what is your point? And then I asked this question, has it benefited Jews at all, that Jews are disproportionately represented in Hollywood? What good has it done Jews? You know any pro-Jewish movies? The last pro-Israel movie I am aware of was made in the 1950s, 50s, <laughs> called Exodus. Any pro-Israel movies that you can think of? Not many. Any pro-Jewish? Uh, it doesn't mean anything. It, it, it has no effect. It is a point that one makes simply to induce hatred of Jews. That's all it does, and it does, and it works for some people. So what Kanye West said was, was awful, I'm sorry to say. So I wrote about that, and then about, the, about Candace Owens, who is probably known to nearly all of you, and she should be. This is a brilliant and charismatic young woman. 
She worked at PragerU for a while. She is now with The Daily Wire. And by the way, just for the record, for those who think she harbors some ill will to Jews, it's, it's really remarkable, isn't it, that The Daily Wire was founded by a, an orthodox yarmulke-wearing Jew named Ben Shapiro, and PragerU is run by three Jews, myself and two others. All of us are Jews. I'm a committed Jew. They're committed Jews. You would think that somebody who uh, had it in for Jews would seek employment elsewhere. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that? We have never <laughs> intuited the slightest, not just dislike of Jews, discomfort with Jews. It's like, a, it's just a non-issue to Candace. Should she have said that what he said was wrong and anti-Semitic? Yes, she should have. But you know what? It's very hard to attack someone that you've befriended. It's very hard. By the way, I didn't write this, but it is a lesson that I have followed in my life. And I thank God that I had the wisdom to do this from very early on. I have never gotten close to a star. That's, a, that's been a very valuable lesson in my life. I get close to people that I, I admire for their character, not that I admire for their fame. Because when you attach yourself to the famous as opposed to the virtuous, you're probably going to get burned. Everybody I know that has done this with a star got burned eventually because they didn't choose them for their character. They chose them, as I said, for their fame. Now, in Candace's case, I, I don't know why she chose him. I'm not saying she shouldn't have. I'm just saying that, well, I think I do know why. She felt that given how famous he is, that he could help the cause that she is working for. And that is to convince black America that the left has hurt them, which is a fact like the earth is round. The left has hurt everybody and especially black Americans. So what else did I write here? So I list all the things that Candace has done for Jews, for Israel. She went to Israel just to be uh, there when the American embassy was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That's, that's not exactly somebody who has it in for the Jews that she would have gone halfway around the world just to be there and celebrate that event. Anyway, I have a whole list of things that she has done with and for Jews. So, so much uh, on that. But I, I also, I, I also want to make another point about, about her that I did make in here. This is a really important lesson in life. I believe that every human being has what I call a moral bank account. What's a bank account? You make deposits and you make withdrawals, correct? The more you deposit, the more money you have in your account. The more withdrawals, the less money you have. Right? Right. It's obvious. Same with morality. Same with good, the good you do. The good you do are deposits into your moral bank account. The bad you do are withdrawals from your moral bank account. Everybody living will make a withdrawal at some point. None of us is perfect. So what you do, if you want to be fair to a human being, is ask, what is this person's moral bank account? 
Candace Owens's moral bank account is very much in the black. You heard of in the black and in the red. In the black means positive, in the red, in debt. She has been, her moral bank account is in the black. So if she made a mistake here and did not respond as would have been ideal, so so I, I just look at her. She has a moral bank account and she may have made a withdrawal. So, okay, we all do. She's made very few withdrawals as far as I know. That's the point. So I wrote about that and you, you should read the column. It's, it's, it's all out there. So I gave an example in 1980-something, I think 85, a, uh, an American president named Ronald Reagan, who was a good friend of the Jews and of Israel, went to Germany. Then it was West Germany. This was still during the Cold War. East Germany was controlled by the Soviets. West Germany was free. And he went, Ronald Reagan did, to West Germany to show support for the German chancellor of the time, Helmut Kohl. And Kohl asked him to visit or lay a wreath at a German war dead cemetery, which include the grave sites of SS men. The, these were the, the real Nazi butchers, SS, torturers and, and, and killers of Jews and of, and of dissidents and of East Europeans, ter- terrible. Anyway, there are about 40 grave sites of the Waffen SS. And he went there and he said that something to the effect that just as that Jews suffered because of Hitler, so did many Germans. And the, it seemed like a moral equivalence, which is not what he meant, but it doesn't matter. He made a mistake going to the cemetery and what he said. So this is what the Israeli prime minister said about Ronald Reagan. When a friend makes a mistake, he remains a friend, but the mistake remains a mistake. Had Candace said something like that, it would have been close to perfect. But there is also a difference. Ronald Reagan apologized. Kanye West has simply doubled down. That's, that is a difference, and that is an important one. But I just want people to know, I want you to know, that when people make a mistake and they apologize, certainly, they remain a friend and the mistake remains a mistake. It's a very good line. Okay, so anyway, I'm hoping that she will say something. I have a strong sense that she will, but it is what it is. There is one more thing that is worth noting here. Anti-Semitism is not just homicidal, it's suicidal. Every regime and every movement that engaged in Jew hatred, which is the the real name for anti-Semitism, ended up killing themselves. What Hitler did to the Jews is well known, but do you know that 44 million other people died because of Hitler and the Nazis? And that their major message was Jew hatred, was anti-Semitism. The central issue for Hitler was killing Jews. And he ended up killing 44 million others in addition to the 6 million Jews. And the suffering of the German people, Germany was decimated as a result of it. Not to mention, I think, millions of German women who were raped 
by Soviet soldiers. When you dabble in anti-Semitism, it is a given in life. You will end up ruining your own life and the life of, of vast numbers who have supported you, as well as a lot of innocence. It's a very, very dangerous thing to start. Okay, so I wanted to say all of that, and I did, and the column is up at DennisPrager.com, TownHall.com, AmericanGreatness.com, and many other sites, Jewish World Review, many others. Okay, now we go to your questions, and we begin. Hi, Dennis. My name is Jacob. I'm 19. I'm from Hillsdale, Michigan. My question for you is, in this era of short attention spans and an excess of information at our fingertips, uh, what kind of tools and methods and habits uh, can my generation use to find the truth in a world that really doesn't care about the truth uh, too much anymore, to be honest, and has taught us to be skeptical and untrusting of a lot of the information going around? Thanks. It's a tough, it's a tough issue, my friend. It really is. This is a very serious problem. So it, my response, which is going to be brief by necessity, begins with this. You, you have to know the following. And I, I hesitate to say it because it sounds political, but I swear I don't mean it as political. Truth is not a left-wing value. Truth is a liberal value. Truth is a conservative value, but it's not a left-wing value. And that has been true from Lenin in the Russian Revolution to the left in, in the West and in America to this day. For years, we were told just to give a recent example, that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. And it turned out to be just a, a, an enormous lie. And that has caused a big problem because the mainstream, what are called mainstream media, are on the left. They're not liberal and they're not conservative. Again, I, I'm, I'm dissociating, as I always do, liberals from leftists. Liberals do value truth, but not, but not leftists. And it, it's hard for you, if you value truth, to even imagine that there are people like that. But I have proof. That's why they are always for censoring free speech. Conservatives and liberals are not for censoring free speech because they are not afraid to have competing ideas in the public sphere. The left is very afraid of competing ideas. That's why they call every single, there is no exception, everything they differ with they call misinformation or disinformation or simply shut down because they don't search for truth. The search for truth always involves People offering different opinions. That's the way it works. And so you, the, the viewer or listener, you have to use common sense. You have to ask, who have I trusted in the past that I might be able to trust now? But you have to at least hear the competing side. So was the vaccine effective? 
If you shut down every doctor, and there were many who said it was not effective, then how do you know it is effective or was effective? Same with lockdowns, just to give the COVID example. If everyone who said something different, if every doctor who said, as doctors I had on my radio program, who treated patients with COVID, one doctor, may he rest in peace, Victor Selenko, he died of cancer, not of COVID. He was on my show a number of times from the beginning saying, Dennis, please know I am saving all of my patients' lives, I think except one, who have COVID. If I give them in the early stages, if I give them hydroxychloroquine with zinc, it had nothing to do with Donald Trump. It had to do with what he believed as a doctor. Why would I think he's lying to me? Zelenko happened to have been a religious Jew. And while religious Jews run the gamut as any other group, nevertheless, most of them do believe that they're sinning against God if they lie. Was he making it up that he had saved his patients? by giving them a therapeutic called hydroxychloroquine with zinc? Or, or other doctors who said ivermectin? Why were they shut down? They're doctors. Since when do we shut down doctors? And the answer is the people who lie can't handle differing opinions. Zelenko didn't want to shut down the people who said that it didn't work. He just wanted to be allowed to be heard. I think he was banned from Twitter. He was probably banned from, from YouTube. I was lucky that he was, that he was allowed on my show. And I was allowed, of course, by my syndicator. But who knows? If people had the power to shut down talk radio, they probably would have shut down my show. So that's a very important thing for you to remember. The people who wish to shut down dissent are probably lying. The people who tell the truth are not for shutting down dissent. That is a very important first rule, perhaps. Another one is to use common sense. God gave us all common sense, but most people don't use it. As Mark Twain said in the 19th century, common sense isn't common, which is a real problem. So those are two indicators. Also, you build trust. How do you know whom to trust in your private life? People, people build up a moral bank account, as I spoke of earlier. So people that you know that have, have not lied to you, you tend to trust, correct? You don't immediately trust everybody, but if people build up over time trustworthiness, trust, trustworthiness, then you would. I have been broadcasting for 40 years. Have I ever been caught in a lie? I may have said things that were ultimately mistaken and which any time brought to my attention, I correct. Even that hasn't been that often. So I would say the same with Jordan Peterson. The idea that Jordan Peterson would knowingly tell a lie is, is, is to me preposterous. I know the man. He is just, he's too decent to do that. So those are, those are three major ways of, of determining what is true. People who tell the truth don't suppress other opinions. People who lie suppress other opinions. That's a biggie. Uh, Shelly in New York, that's all I have. No age, no, uh, no city. I guess it's New York City, I would assume. I never got conservatives saying they believe in diversity of thought. 
Seems they believe in things like there is only one right way to be a man, one right way to be a woman, one right way for politics, one way for the economy, etc. Please explain to me. So I'm going to try to answer you, but please, all of you, whenever you give a generalization, and I give them often, I always give an example. Without an example, it's very hard for me to know what you're referring to. What does it mean there is one way to be a man? Do do you mean that, that... You can't be a woman if you're a man. That's true. If you're a man, you can't be a woman. You can identify as a woman. You can feel that you are a woman. You could take a woman's name. You could engage in surgeries. You can do a whole host of things. That's true. But I'm I'm not going to accept what is scientifically impossible. You can't become the other sex. You can identify if you like. In a free country, you can identify as anything you want. Presumably, a white can identify as a black or a black as a white. It's interesting, though, that that would be rejected by the people who say you can become a man if you're a woman and vice versa. Well, that's a hell of a lot more scientific than race is. Sex is more scientifically, biologically based than race. Why can't you change your race? But anyway, if that's what you mean then yes, we believe that if you're a woman, you're a woman, and if you're a man, you're a man, and that you shouldn't be allowed to compete in women's sports if you're a biological man. That's true. But as one way to be a man, no. So I will answer all of your questions with this. If you're talking about conservatives, which you are, that's how you began, we do believe that there are ideals that one should aspire to. That's true. So for example, I have, I have two sons and I try to raise them to be good men. So obviously I have a definition of good man, honorable, trustworthy, get a job, be honest, get married, and hopefully make a family and, and aspire to take care of that family. Is that a, is that a bad idea? If I had a daughter, I would have raised her the exact same way, with the same, same exact principles. Be a good woman, be an honorable woman, aspire to, to marry a good man, take care of a home. So yes, we have, we have ideals. Does it apply to everybody? There are people who probably shouldn't get married, but the vast majority of people ought to. That's true. That's what we believe. Otherwise, life is chaos. If we don't offer ideals to young people on how to live a better life, it's chaos. What do they aspire to? What their heart leads them to? The heart is a crappy guide in life. Crappy. I don't use that word a lot. It's great to feel. That's what makes us human and not robots. But to be guided by that as opposed to guided by principles is a bad idea or guided by reason and values. So yeah, we do offer an ideal. That's right. And our ideals are, as one professor at University of Pennsylvania Law School said, and she got clobbered for it. She said, I think we should raise young people with these ideals. Graduate high school, get married before you have children, get a job, Well, get a job, get married before you have children, and then 
have children, make a family. Is that a bad idea? Are those bad ideas? So in that sense, we don't think there is one way, but we do think there's a better way to live a life. And it is my obligation as an older man to tell this to younger men, for that matter, younger women too. It is the obligation of every adult to offer the young a better way to live a life. What other obligations do we have as adults? I can't think of one. Okay. I am off to Denmark for the weekend. It's a strange thing to do for a weekend. I have a, uh, a lecture there. I'm getting uh, an award for free speech. I'll be speaking at the Danish parliament. I'll tell you about it in a forthcoming fireside chat. But you will not miss a fireside chat because we're going to pre-record one right before I leave. Until then... Thank you. I'm Dennis Prager. See you next time.